Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Chris Harrington joins me now. Chris, what are we listening to? It's uh, Farther Up the Road by the great Memphis, late great Memphis blues singer, soul, blues soul singer Bobby Blue Bland. In honor of the Memphis Grizzlies going farther up the road. Today, to play the Philadelphia 76ers. Farther up the road without Steven Adams, uh, what's his status? Um, it's it's uh, uncertain, I guess. I don't know if it, I guess it's not quite day to day. Um, he's obviously out tonight. He's not officially out this weekend, but from the way Taylor Jenkins talked, I'm pretty sure he's out this weekend. Um, Taylor Jenkins said that he he had he had you know ramped up what he was doing in practice, but was not yet doing full contact, five-on-five kind of stuff. So, you know, I, I don't – you know, if I put a timetable on it, I'd just be guessing. But my guess would be in the next couple of weeks, but certainly not in the next couple of games. Yeah, he said he'd have a better update later in the week. You know, whatever. So he may return next week. But it seems like you're going to have to at least get through the weekend without him. Luke Kennard, non-COVID illness, is that right? That's right. Yeah, he was not at practice. We looked around. He was not in the gym. And so we were sort of wondering what was going on with that. And then by the time Taylor Jenkins finally got around talking, I'd forgotten about it. But it was out on the report. And so, I mean, you know, I don't know what that means, but it sounds like the kind of thing where you would most of the time they'd, they'd be back the next game. Uh, and then you, you talked about that you have a piece up at the Daily Memphis, which I'll talk about the guts of it here in a minute. But one of the things you, 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 you mentioned was how will the rotation evolve, particularly the backup wings? And at least to start, uh, Jake LaRavey and Zaire Williams with the hustle. Is that surprising to you, or does that seem right to you? Um, that's sort of what they've been doing. I mean, those right. guys have been out of the mix. Um, you know, Roddy, uh, among those three, Roddy and then those two, Roddy has been sort of in line for opportunities since, since they've wanted Zaire to go back to – to um, South Haven and sort of get his confidence and start making shots, which he has not been doing. His shooting numbers have not been good. It's only been two or three games, but they've not been particularly good in South Haven. And so presumably they'll play Conchar and Roddy um, off the bench in this game um, tonight. I, I'm sort of of the belief that they should be looking for non-Conchar opportunities at this point to the degree that they play a fourth wing. Um, that, that's with Kennard back, with Kennard is the third. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I feel like you can always go back to Conchar and the higher upside options are going to be Roddy, LaRavia, Williams, Santi Aldama at small forward, stuff like that. Um, but I don't know what they're going to do. Do you imagine that at some point Zaire Williams will get that chance? As you point out, I think he goes to the hustle to get minutes, confidence, all of that. But he's right now shooting under 30% from three for the hustle. So there's no sense 
promoting him when he's not even flourishing there yet. I But do you imagine that over these next 25, they might give him a shot here, or it just depends on his progress with the hustle? My understanding is that they would like um, for him to work his way back in the mix, yes. Right. All right, so uh, you got the Sixers tonight without Stephen Adams, and then you got Denver, uh, by the way. They also happen to have a pretty prolific big man uh, without Stephen Adams. Um, when you look at this stretch, um, I don't know. What's, what, what, what to you is, is the goal? What should be the goal uh, for the Grizzlies over the next twenty-five? Games? Well, I mean, the goal. I mean, you'd like to hold the second. <laughs> yeah. You'd yeah. like to hold the second seed. Um, you know, I, I do think seeding is less. Assuming you're in the top four, right? Um, seeding is less important than than how well you're playing, how healthy you are, and what the matchups you get into the play when you head into the playoffs, right? And so, and so. Assuming that you play well enough to remain in the top four, which I assume that they will, what getting you know feeling like you're healthy and playing good basketball as you enter the playoffs is more important than than the seeding. And so, to me, it's less of a record goal than a than a let's get ourselves you know as good as good a shape as we can physically and 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 chemistry wise and production wise as, as we as we as we hit April. It is sort of the seeding is sort of interesting. Um, I mean, we've seen them before massage seating. We saw it when they won their first playoff series against San Antonio. They very clearly were massaging seating. Here, seating is so freaking hard to predict. As you wrote today, right now, uh, it would be pretty great because you would get New Orleans. If the season ended today, you'd get New Orleans, uh, the winner of the New Orleans-Minnesota uh, game in the first round, right? And then you'd get yep. the Sacramento-Dallas winner in the second round. I mean, just sign me up for that. But there's no way to know. I actually think if you could be two or three, eh, you know, I, if you're four, you're pretty much guaranteed to getting Denver, and that's probably no picnic in the second round. But in, if you're three right. you might or two, you might get Phoenix, and that's no picnic either, but really not any worse than Denver and you might have a greater chance of injury or implosion or something on the part of Phoenix. I think you want to stay two or three, right? Isn't yeah, it? I, yeah. The inherent the inherent value difference between a two or a three seed is is very oh, is very small. Uh, the specific value difference is relative to matchups, which you can't you can't know. And so, like the, the, the abstract cost of being two versus being three to me is not a particularly right. meaningful difference. It is the difference between your home court advantage and a second round playoff series. Um, potentially, right. assuming it's a two versus three in that series. And the Grizzlies have been one of the best home teams in the league, so that does have value. But to me, it's less meaningful than, than the matchups. So in the next, uh, I guess it looks like, I, it's funny, we say this a gauntlet, but if you look at the, as, as Drew, I think, wrote in his piece, uh, the strength of schedule opponent's winning percentage, which is not also not by a, a totally accurate uh, a, a reflection of who you're going to be playing because of the way right. different teams have struggled. But according to opponents' winning percentage going forward, the Grizzlies is 24th. It's not particularly daunting. But if you look at the next 11, uh, eight of the next 11 against teams that would currently be in the postseason, plus two against the Lakers, eight out of 10 on national TV. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's sort of it's sort of front loaded is the thing, and so once you get down to mid, beyond mid March, you got Houston twice, you got Orlando, you have Chicago, 
you know, more mediocre teams like Portland and Oklahoma City. Right. And so, the, you know, San Antonio is, 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 is post-mid-March. But the schedule, you have Houston once in this stretch, but the schedule for the next two or three weeks coming out of the break is pretty tough. Yeah, and, uh, I mean, as you pointed out, Denver twice in the next five, and then you've got the Mavs and the Clippers. You have three – from here to the end of the season, you've got the Mavs and the Clippers both three times and the Warriors and the Lakers both twice. Um, so it is, uh, it is a little daunting, particularly it would be nice, it would be nice to have uh, Stephen Adams for this. Um, but you pointed out in your piece – that one of the that, that two of the things the Grizzlies may have going for them are how little their starting lineup has actually played, their preferred starting lineup has played relative to other teams, and also then how few minutes the best players have played relative to other teams. Um, and with the expectation that both those things may, you know, God willing and Taylor Jenkins willing, change over the next 25 games? Yeah, I mean, you never know. I mean, it takes luck on, on, on the lineup thing, and obviously, you know, you're going to miss at least two, you know, of these 25 right. with Steven Adams being out. But, I mean, 11 is not a lot. 11 is still less than half of what you have going forward. And so, um, you know, it, and to me it's less of a question of, and maybe I didn't make this super clear in what I wrote, it's less about what it can mean for you in the, in the rest of this regular season then the question of even even if even even a second place in the West right now, are the Grizzlies capable of being a better team than even they've shown, and that people think they look like on paper because they haven't actually had their best team on the floor that often relative to say Denver, relative to the Sacramento, um, and you know whether you get it whether you get a lot of these next twenty five games or you're going to get it going into the playoffs. It didn't happen against Golden State, by the way, like for a second. Um, but but they are a team that if you look at you know the top three teams in the West, the teams that basically stood pat in terms of their primary lineups. I mean, Denver's had their 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 main team on the floor. I don't have it in front of me. I have it in front of you. Something Here it is. Like four hundred minutes. Denver, Denver, I, I got it. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Denver's had their starting lineup for four for more than four hundred minutes in twenty five games, and the third place Kings have had theirs for nearly seven hundred minutes in forty five games. The Grizzlies have had theirs for, you know, 120-something minutes in 11 games. But then beyond that, the Grizzlies, and I asked Taylor Jenkins this in the last game before the break, and I used part of that quote in the column, that's a matter of strategy. And, and, and it come, Taylor Jenkins comes from the Mike Budenholzer school, who, who, who has historically sort of been this way. It's a matter of strategy over the course of a long season. Taylor Jenkins does not play his best players as heavy a minutes as most teams play their best players. Um and so when you look around and you see, like, some teams are, you know, have their star players averaging 36, 37 minutes now, and, you know, the Grizzlies have theirs averaging 30, 31, 32, and sometimes less than 30, there, there may be more of a bump that the Grizzlies get in terms of adding workload to their best players than other teams are going are gonna to have. Have we, by the way, seen, and maybe you don't know the answer to this, I, I, in that quote, because I was there when you asked him that question, he talked about a ramping up. Have we noticed? Obviously, in the playoffs, the best players play heavier minutes. Have we seen, do you know, over the previous years of Taylor Jenkins, that Jaws' minutes over the last third or quarter of the season go up ramping up towards the playoffs? Do we expect that, that, that we'll start to see? It's not just that we'll see more Jaws in the playoffs, but we'll start to see more of him working up to the playoffs? 
that was not the case last season. I, I did look at that, and I, I sort of alluded to that to Colin. That was not the case last season. I think last season the starters' minutes actually went down a little bit post-All-Star break and then went up in the playoffs. I think what Taylor Jenkins is suggesting is that he may ramp start ramping up earlier than that this season. I don't think it's going to be tonight. He sort of said yesterday, because Drew followed up on that question yesterday, and he sort of said, we want to be careful these next two or three weeks going out of the break, but then after that, you know, start ramping up. I think the, di- the difference is the team's depth was a lot better last season. Right. And so I think to the degree that they're going to care about holding their spot in, in the standings, I think you may see them start to tick up more you know, it, it, within this regular season than they did, did a year ago. This whole idea is interesting to me because there's, there's an argument that the Grizzlies are not as good as they have demonstrated. You, I hear that from various people. You know, if you look at their record against playoff teams, it's not very good. Of course, most teams aren't. It's not as good as playoff teams, but they're 20 and 17 against playoff teams. I mean, hell, you look at a team's Western Conference playoff teams on the road, they're 2 and 10 versus those teams. Like, there's there's arguments that they're kind of a fraudulent two seed, that they're not as good as they, uh, as certainly their seeding suggests. But then there's this sort of counter uh, idea, which is maybe they're actually better. Like, because if they were healthy and if they played their starters more minutes, maybe they're better. Of course, some of this is if you're doing a power ranking of the West, like, where do you put the Clippers right now? Where would you, if you were just doing a pure power ranking, who's the best team in the West right now, where would you put the Clippers? So I actually did this this morning um, in preparation for a bonus podcast I'm going to do with oh. Keith Parrish later. Okay. Um, and so I looked at four different rankings. I looked at I looked at a betting site that will not be named um, to find to give odds on right. you know finals odds. Um, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the last media person in the country not sponsored by a gambling site, so I'm not going <laughs> to name do them. That. Uh-huh. Uh, um, and, I, and I found a couple of published ones. Kevin O'Connor did a post post-trade deadline power rankings for the ringer and Kirk Goldsberry did one today basically for ESPN and then I did my own and so what was your question the Clippers yeah well yeah well what's your own what's the consensus and where are you on the on where the Grizzlies are the Grizzlies so the the, the betting side that won't be named has the Grizzlies with the ninth best uh championship odds um Kevin O'Connor I think kind of ridiculously is the Grizzlies at 10th behind the Lakers who he is at six um, Goldsberry and the Grizzlies at seven. I also have the Grizzlies at seven. And of the and the teams in the Western Conference that you would have better championship odds, they would be Denver, Phoenix, yes. Denver, yes. Phoenix, and anyone else? Nope. I've got. I've got. I mean, I think it's you know it's tightly bunched. You could argue it, but I've got the Clippers, Warriors, Mavs all right below the Grizzlies. And what's the what are the others? Grizzlies relative to the West. What do you think the others? Uh, generally, I would imagine they're not third. I think hell, even Kendrick Perkins, Kendrick Perkins, who is uh, our you know whatever for good or for ill, has is a national representative out there. He ranked his top three teams in the West, and they were Denver, the Clippers, and Phoenix. So the betting site has the Grizzlies, let's see, one, two, three, four, the Grizzlies six best odds in the West. Good God. Title. Uh-huh. Kevin O'Connor has them, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, also six. Um, Kirk Goldsberry has the Grizzlies third best, and I also have the Grizzlies third best. So me and Kirk Goldsberry, I feel good <sighs> about being aligned with, with him more than the other two. 
Um, all right, a couple of the things you mentioned in the column, and I'll get to those real quick. People can read it over at the Daily Memphian. Um, uh, they relate to, to players and how they're coping and everything else. One is Jaw's spirits. And you said Jaw, I don't know if the word we used was had seemed sullen lately. He seemed, honestly, before the break, like he'd started to snap out of it a little bit. Like he was starting to embrace I don't know. What was what was he like yesterday? What's your sense of, of – Could be. I mean, I use sullen. I use the word withdrawn, maybe a little bit withdrawn. better word. Uh-huh. Um, I know I heard from people who were – I'm just not in Salt Lake, Salt Lake City. But I heard from people who were there that there was kind of a little bit of that vibe with him around the Salt Lake City stuff at the All-Star Weekend, too. And just generally sort of behind the scenes around the team has been right. a little bit like that. Um, I thought he was pretty good. I, this column was written and almost published before the media availability yesterday. I went in and, and, and tweaked the Stephen Adams stuff, but I, did, I didn't change the Jaw stuff. But I will say, I thought he he was a little more relaxed in the media session. He actually did speak. I was sort of surprised. Um, he's been not he's been bypassing game stuff some lately, but he he actually spoke yesterday. Him and Jared, and he made a couple jokes and you know laughed a little bit. And I I think you know he seemed a little bit better in that setting than maybe he has lately. I'm more interested in how it, how it manifests on the floor. Um, and so to me, that's something to watch as they get back in action. Uh, do you do you have? Right. To me, he needs to play with a certain level of emotion, uh, you know, it, whether that's like you call that joy, you call that defiance, or however, however it's channeled. Right. He needs he needs to be cha- he needs to play with some zest, um, you know, to be his best self, and 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 we'll see. Well, and then there's Dylan, uh, and um, you want, you know, I don't know, like what what where where, where do you think Dylan is, uh, and what do you look for from Dylan? You know, I'd like to see him when you, when you talk about breaking out of a slump. Like Dylan is historically a, a, a mediocre at best shooter, but there's a difference between being mediocre and being just like shooting twenty percent from three, which which is what he's done since the calendar flipped. He shot thirty five percent from three in the two thousand twenty two part of the two thousand twenty two two thousand twenty three season, and he has shot something like twenty percent in the two thousand twenty three part. So I'd like to see him get back to closer to thirty five. You wonder at what point. You know, you know the slumps happen, but but you get you start pressing, you get self conscious about it. You can sort of feel people trying to guide the ball in instead of shooting the ball. Um, he he has pulled back on his attempts, which is appropriate, but 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 the efficiency just plummeted. I don't think those things are related. So I'd like to see him start making some shots, not taking more, but making more of the ones he he takes. I continue to think that he is essential to the Grizzlies' chances. That might not be the case in a different roster construction, but with the way this roster is constructed right now, I think Dylan Brooks is essential to the Grizzlies' chances of being successful. And so, like you know, I need him to to make enough shots that that you know that 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 it doesn't detract from what he can do defensively. You can read the piece over at the Daily in Memphis. I have tweeted it out. Thank you, Chris. Appreciate it. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 